Well, I already drank, so uh, I'm I'm good to record. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I got a little red wine tonight. Keeping it classy. Mm. Mm-hmm. UB four zero, right? Mm. Yes. Did, oh, nice. that, did, was it you who told me that their name is UB four zero, or I heard it somewhere else in some other podcast? I always called them UB forty. Right, and I think the word was going around. They're actually UB four zero. No. Yeah. I just, I, I, I'm going to tell UB40 that they're wrong about their own band name. <laughs> you be wrong. You be wrong. Oh, oh. terrible. Okay, <clears throat> let's start. Okay. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi muddy classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And today we're talking Minute 80 of Predator. Minute 80, oh, we jumped out of those kind of sloggy 70s in terms of sports numbers, and now we're mm. in the 80s. Mm. We're going to hit all the wide receivers and tight ends and maybe the occasional weird basketball number. Uh, but number 80 belongs to such greats as Jerry Rice, Steve Largent, James Lofton, Chris Carter, Isaac Bruce, <laughs> Kellen Winslow, all of those aforementioned 80 wearers are Hall of Famers in the NFL. Uh, there's also Chris Collinsworth, who you know from NBC Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I don't know. Ow. <laughs> I like girls that aren't too bright because you can trick them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Al. <laughs> and, uh, also, <laughs> the in, so famous he's infamous, Kellen Winslow II, where he says, I'm a soldier. Yeah, don't give a hell. It's about this you, man. I don't give a flying, you know what, about a ball. I don't give a damn. He'd do the same thing to me. It's war. They don't give a freaking, you know what, about you. They will kill you. They're out there to kill you. If I didn't hurt him, he'd hurt me. They're gunning for my legs. I'm going to come right back at him. <laughs> soldier. <laughs> uh, as a Tennessee Volunteers fan, I remember hearing that quote and seeing that blow up right after the Miami Hurricanes lost to the Vols in, mm-hmm. in Miami. Kellen and, oh, that was he, he went on to play for the Browns. Is that right? He played on a few teams, including okay. the Browns and the Seahawks. Oh, didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Seahawks love their troubled tight ends. They do. They do. Uh, that's a good list. The uh, Jerry Rice, list. Steve Largent, Chris Carter trifecta. That's pretty good. Yeah, Chris Carter, all he does is catch touchdowns. To Chris Carter, all he does catch touchdowns. That's right. That's right. Uh, now, I feel like you started uh, Minute 80 Opens With, but didn't quite finish that sentence. Do you want to? Did I? I think, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Jump straight. You got <laughs> real excited about the sports. <laughs> I, I was just so looking forward to some good sports names. That, yeah. You know, some, some athletes, not just big fat guys. Um, there's a, is she a big fat person? <laughs> she, is she a great big fat person? Is she a great big fat person? <laughs> Uh, uh, okay, we're talking minute 80 of Predator. <laughs> minute 80 opens with a muddy Dutch crawling backwards, and it ends with the Predator looking at dot, 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 something in Predator vision. Something. Something. Mm. Uh, this is a pivotal minute, would you agree? I would agree. This is one of the 
great silent scenes uh, of this movie. So many scenes have, you know, loud bangs and witty lines. Uh, this one is really dialogue free. We've had three dialogue free minutes in a row. And that continues here to really, really give us an awesome visual realization. But that realization doesn't even come until next minute. That's how great the scene is. This is like one of those great game change moments in, uh, in film history, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I just love it when something like this occurs, uh, that you, the first time you're watching the movie, you don't see it coming. And I don't think anybody who watched this movie the first time around saw this little plot twist happening. Um, and so that's makes it great. That makes it like, that's why it makes it a classic moment in uh, action film history. I think. Mm -hmm. Including Arnold and, or including Dutch, but we can talk about him here in the second half. Yeah. All right. Should I, uh, speaking of, should we uh, get into the first section here? Yeah. Take us from the top. Okay. So the first part of the minute we will do about, uh, up to about 44 seconds of this minute. So we carry over. We got Dutch crawling backwards through the mud. And then we quickly cut to something that's bubbling in the water. Cut back to Dutch kind of grabbing to his leg for his machete. Uh, stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Only to find that it did not stick around. That machete is gone. Stick around. Cut back to the predator who surfaces in the water, shimmering in and out of invisibility. And he's got kind of like electric looking sparks and what do they call that when the oh, arc, like the electricity mm. is arcing all over him. Uh, we cut to a push in shot from behind Dutch, looking at the predator walking up onto the shore. Cut back to a muddy Dutch leaning back, holding some hanging vines. We cut to Dutch's point of view of the Predator, pushing a few buttons on his wrist controls. And this apparently makes whatever was going on with his uh, electricity and his cloaking device uh, turn off because he completely decloaks here and then turns to look right in Dutch's direction. What? What? We'll talk about the second part in a moment, but this is a, a very cool sequence. Do you agree? Oh, I, I, I totally agree. The yeah. camera work, just top notch here <clears throat> with the use of the steady shots, but also the handheld as it's kind of creeping behind Dutch to give him or to give us a better perspective about what Dutch is looking at. Uh, I, and I'll probably just cut right to that. Uh, let me find the minute. I want to cut right to that push and shot, that handheld push and shot behind mm-hmm. Dutch. Okay, that starts at about <clears throat> second 14 and goes to second 26. But it's, mm-hmm. it's just fabulous, fabulously composed shot as the camera itself is moving over some logs and rocks. And over one big rock to Dutch's right, you see the predator's head as the predator is emerging from the water with the sparks, the arcing sparks, as you said. Uh, and there's a lot I like about the shot. Number one, I like about the shot is when you're watching this the first time from second 14, you don't know where Dutch is yet looking at right. the shot. Right. It's only as it tilts essentially to the middle between Dutch and Predator that you're understanding um, how this is all coming together. Literally, the Predator is approaching right where Dutch is hiding. Yeah, and... This is just a great cinematic shot here because everything is in focus. 
even as he conti- they continue to push the camera forward. And we for the we get this great full body shot of the Predator coming out. We've got the electricity going on. Um, and then I love how it cuts. So the camera's moving along the ground towards the Predator as he gets out of the water. And when mm-hmm. the camera cuts there, it cuts back to the camera again moving towards Dutch as he's underneath the viney space that he found. Right, like that's the Predator's real vision without any thermal or without any augmentation. Yeah. And it just happens very seamlessly and it builds the suspense and the the dread that you are feeling for Dutch as he's cornered. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Um, The special effects too, I have to mention are just phenomenal. Like I love it in a movie like this when a movie that's 30 years old, the special effects hold up as well as they do like the costume design, of the predator himself is awesome. You kind of see it in it's all its glory here as he gets out of the water. And then the blue, even the blue like electric sparks on his body. I think it looks great. And like, it's just such a cool effect. Yeah. I think it, it, it's looks great. I don't, it doesn't look cartoony at all. It reminds right. me a lot of when the emperor in return of the Jedi is shocking Luke yes. in front of Darth Vader. Uh, it has that, that kind of feel of like, this is like a very natural, well, I mean, talking about Star Wars, but uh, talking mm-hmm. about the Predator here, uh, it's, it's it almost like makes sense in your head that when he jumps in the water, it does maybe something to his electronics, including his cloaking ability. And so maybe naturally that's that's going to affect him. It's a really cool detail that they didn't have to do. And it mm-hmm. probably cost a bit of money to, to put that in there, especially in 1987. But I love it. Like it adds... A futuristic element. It it kind of shows that he has all these cool weapons and devices and abilities, but they're also, you know, they're what's the word I'm looking for? They're fallible. Like if he jumps in the water w- with this electronic cloaking device, it's going to get all screwy when he gets into the water. Like that makes sense and just adds a a, a real sort of realness to this extraordinary situation. Yeah, and just. I'm just watching over and over again. It's it's just mesmerizing to think about how do they make that shot? How do they compose that where they had him clearly visible and then he fades to invisible. You can see behind him, but you can still see his shape, his silhouette. Uh, it's it's really amazing. It's 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 really cool to see that. And, and when he's approaching Arnold with the moving camera, we haven't seen we've seen a couple of times where the camera is moving and the Predator is camouflaged, but uh, we've never seen a shot like this where the camera is moving in and the Predator is moving in and the invisibility is like coming on and off. Right, right. It, everything is working together and also like working seamlessly. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. So we're kind of, we kind of jumped into it, but the very end of this section, we just get this like really 10 second just hold of the camera on the Predator. And I feel like this is really the best shot that we've gotten of the Predator in the entire movie so far. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels that way to me. Yeah, I I think so. It's a great profile shot, which turns into kind of a head-on shot. You see this shot of this Jungle Hunter Predator a lot when they're talking about the Jungle Hunter Predator when they're talking about the Jungle Hunter Predator online. It's a lot of times using this shot um, because it's a nice profile picture. You see his whole body. You see his, not his whole body, but his upper body. You see his wrist gauntlet with all the yeah. controls. You see the dreads. You see the mask. 
Yeah, I tend to I tend to prefer the mask personally because I, I just think it's he's sleeker. one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. He's he's very ugly. Just he's got but, like some sort of maybe backpack or or something on the back of his armor there that's yeah presumably housing some controls for all of his devices and weapons. I. And I guess I have a, um, I don't know, kind of question. I guess I have a, a, a zoological question. Let's say, do, do you think the predator knows that if he is in the water, that his invisibility won't work so well? Mm. If not, then this is maybe coming off as like a rookie predator, you know, like someone who's just dropped off for the first batch of kills. Ooh, yeah, perhaps. Or maybe just in the moment he knew he had no choice but to jump and follow Dutch into that water so he wouldn't lose him. And he was mm. willing to sacrifice a little malfunction on his uh, cloaking device as a result. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, we get some really awesome blue electric effects here. So thanks, Predator. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Electric Predator. <laughs> it really is cool. Like, this is one of them. As we watch this movie minute by minute, like I will admit that some minutes are a little more boring than others. This is a really fun one to watch over and over again. Just if you are an eighties movie geek and enjoy the special effects and, and all the things about eighties action movies that make them special. Like this has got all of that stuff in it. Yeah. This yeah has everything it has like uh, it even like you could say subverts the face off moment the face-off moment of such an action or science fiction movie where at some point we know these two have to face each other, but this is turning out not to be the time. And so you might be Mm. like you're saying at at the very beginning, it might be heavily faked out thinking, well, this is it for Dutch. Like he has to take on the predator here, but we're seeing that's not the case yet. We're seeing that, that that's a moment that is put on pause because of like, you're saying this realization that, we are realizing in this movie at the same time as Dutch's, um, as Arnold's character, Dutch. That's a good point. Like when you're watching this, if it's your first time, you're thinking, oh, they're going to come to blows right here. We're about to see a fight scene. Mm-hmm. And they, sub, you know, McTiernan or the screenwriters like subvert your expectations with that, with with uh, the mud disguise. So uh, I, may, I may be jumping up into the next section here a little bit quick, but uh we have some stuff to talk about with the mud disguise, but before we do, did you have anything else to add for the first part of the the minute here? Uh, I think I'm good for the first part. So if you want to take it from the second top and go for it. Sure. So second part, we're going to go from second 44 till the end of the minute. We cut back to Dutch looking at the predator from his little uh, vine covered perch or, or little hidey hole that he's found. Um, and we cut back to the predator who is now looking vaguely in Dutch's direction. And then it cuts into thermal vision, the predator vision, mm-hmm. uh, and it's scanning. And we notice that he's only seeing blue and black and dark jungle landscape as he scans from left to right. And uh, as an audience, we presume that Dutch is in there somewhere but he is not showing up in the predator's infrared vision. At the very end of the minute, we catch a glimpse of something that shows some red and some orange coloring. It's small. And at that point, the minute comes to a close. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, we jump back to the predator vision. It's hasn't been that long. We saw the predator vision as he was chasing Dutch 
uh, before Dutch fell down the extremely long, long <laughs> waterfall. Right. Uh, and so, so we know that Dutch is visible on the thermal imaging that the predator has. Uh, but to us, we're, we're probably a little bit puzzled. And you might not even see, if you're watching this for the first time, Dutch. He shows up at second 53 in that blue and black jungle landscape. Yes. And again, again, if you're not looking for it, it's very much like when Carl Weathers character Dylan. 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 Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Dylan, 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 Dylan. Dylan. I'm going in with you, Dutch. Uh, when he's looking for the predator, there is one moment where the predator is hiding in the tree and you yeah. see the silhouette that he doesn't see right away. And this is very much to me a callback to that and a callback in general to how everybody must feel when they're looking for the predator, not able to see him when he's disguised being a, a cheap hunter. That Ooh, that's a good point. And uh, I will fully admit, I did not realize you could see Arnold in this shot. It's, it's the bicep that gives it away. It's, it's the bias in the tries. Bias in the tries. Because um, it happens so quickly. If you play this clip in real time, it just zooms right by. And like it just looks like sticks and leaves. And, and he just mixes into the, the landscape. But when you slow it down and look at it, you're right. You can see Arnold there if you kind of freeze it at, like you said, what, second 53 or so here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a really cool detail um, for anyone watching this movie closely that we can actually see him right there. So are we going to get into the reveal here, the realization of, of what has just happened, or are we going to save that for next minute? Um, I'll leave that up to you. I, I don't, yeah, it, yeah, I'll leave that up to you. Well, I guess we can talk, uh, I guess it's, we don't need to beat around the bush. Like right. we, we know where this is going and we'll, we can talk more about it later. But the reason we were saying this is such a, uh, an important minute in this film is we uh, learn here a way for Dutch to disguise himself. And mm-hmm. it is the application of disgusting, uh, thick mud all over his body that is hiding him from the predator's vision. Yeah, and it is uh, something that pops up when you search. It, it is a debate topic when you search up, can you hide yourself in mud from thermal imaging? Mm-hmm. By and large, most of the sources I found said, know that the mud will heat up rather quickly. Your body heat will heat up the mud, especially considering the amount of mud Dutch has on him, which looks like like pretty maybe thin. like yeah, pretty thin layer of mud on him. So his it's going to heat up that mud pretty quickly. Then he's going to be uh, visible. Uh, they did it on Mythbusters. They showed someone mm. plastering themselves in mud alongside trying other tactics to make it past the thermal cameras and they couldn't do it. Uh, let's see. I watched the video where someone was uh, also trying like different other, or someone was trying different things like a ghillie suit, a, a wetsuit for some reason. Uh, and he was seen all the, t- he was seen every time in the camera. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the one argument for yes, I found was a scientific study or written in the um, style of a scientific article. And that is called, let me find it real fast. I've it linked to my show notes. While you're, yeah. while you're looking, I, I will say that um, realistic or not, and 
to be honest, it doesn't really matter to me that much because we're watching a movie about an alien that's, you know, hunting <laughs> some people in the jungle. So I'm willing to forgive uh, if it's not quite realistic. Uh, you know, realistic or not, it's such a, it's just such a great device uh, to put in here as a way to, a simple way to level the playing field between these two characters, uh, Dutch and the Predator. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's pretty ingenious, whoever... Uh, you know, came up with that idea and, you know, it had to take some forethought because we've, they've been showing the predator and his infrared vision, you know, for a long time now throughout the film. So they've been sort of building up to this, that he has this way of seeing people that is foolproof. Well, now Dutch has found a way around that. And uh, it's just a great moment and a great equalizer uh, and really gets you amped for the last act of the movie because you kind of say to yourself, oh, well, now what's going to happen now that, you know, he can camouflage himself. Right. If, if Dutch is smart enough to catch on that this is hiding him, <laughs> he, you know, we're going to see a lot more of this, hopefully, this this tactic, like you're saying, leveling the playing field. Yeah. So I'm sorry, you found a, a mud article. A mud article, it's from, I believe, the journal titled lasers technology and teleportation with professor magnus cool name yeah cool name maybe it has something to do with referencing pop culture and doing experiments based around those ideas Mm. but this article is titled how dutch beat predator slash how to hide from the u.s government (laughs) (laughs) and I'll, i'll touch upon that idea in a moment or two they're doing an experiment where they're covering someone's arm with various materials including mud uh, to see if they can hide from uh, the predator or to, mm. if they can hide from thermal vision, a la the predator. They mentioned predator there in the title and there in the first couple of sentences. So that's what they're making this based off of. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm not going to read off all the results or anything like that, but they, at the end of their results, they came to the conclusion where they say to this effect, Dutch would in fact be able to hide from the predator's infrared detection as mm. was portrayed in the movie because the difference in temperature between the skin and the mud was less than the mud was applied to the forearm. The mud made it more difficult to detect body heat while using the infrared thermometer. Huh. So there you go. Then they tried other things that helped out too. So yeah, it looks like someone's done a study where I guess it can work. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't mention how long that'll work. I think online people said, yeah, maybe a couple minutes tops. But when you're hiding from the predator, you're probably going to take any second that you can. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try it anyway. Uh, interesting. I like that there are people out there doing scientific studies about this shit. That's great. Yeah. On top of the scientific people, there's also your, I don't know how to put it nicely nut cases um, when you <laughs> search up things like, yes your tinfoil hat wearers <laughs> if you will um so i looked up some results for how do you actually hide from infrared and the results are pretty hilarious my favorite video was a guy wearing full camo including a camo helmet and sunglasses <laughs> talking to the camera <laughs> talking about how you can actually uh, hide from infrared, but he said you can use tinfoil. Tinfoil actually works. It turns out hilariously enough because mm. uh, yeah, you make a tinfoil hat. <laughs> yeah, the tinfoil hat. There you go. Then yeah. I thought I thought that was kind of a, a funny little connection because I think <laughs> the tinfoil hat wearers say that certain waves cannot enter your head, your skull, when you're wearing tinfoil. Uh, right. He also said glass works if you hold like a glass pane in front of you. I guess that reflects 
the heat back to you, <clears throat> but you can't touch the glass. Mm. Uh, and also, if, let's see, use mylar. And we're using mylar in our uh, garden to help direct sunlight to growing uh, oh. some cool little plants. You're not using it to make hats and conspiracy videos on YouTube? Correct. We're also not using it to grow marijuana, which is what... <laughs> A few different people brought up when I was searching this ah. too. They're saying things like, yes, they can't see through your walls with thermal heat vision. In this case, the they is the federal government who is <laughs> right. plotting our demise at all times. Well, now you've given me a great idea. So I'm off to go buy some <laughs> mylar. But they said, watch your electric bills because mm. they'll, you know, the, 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 the policia will hone in on those with those high electric bills just in case they're growing a little bit extra. You know, now in Washington health. state, it's legal to have a certain number of plants of your own growing. Right. True. So we just got to move here to the left coast where we don't give a shit. Everyone can get high. <laughs> right. <laughs> Want to get high? Always bring a towel. <laughs> Tell me. Want to get high? All right. Hey, how do we do? Did we do this minute justice? I think we did. I, th- I think we're going to have to explore this idea of hiding from thermal imaging using mud a little bit deeper mm. somehow. Maybe, maybe someone has in, some experience out there in the Predator Minute listeners. Palapa. Target the center of the palapa. Target the center of the palapa. Thanks, Dylan. Target the center of the palapa. Dylan. 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 <laughs> Gosh, anything else? I guess McCommentary chimes in with his commentary. McTiernan starts talking about how Arnold was such a trooper with the mud being really disgusting and stinky. But Arnold, of course, is being awesome, as he probably always is. Good old I don't care. I, I eat mud for breakfast. <laughs> I just put it on my head, put it on my thighs, and put it on my tries. And I don't care. I do it just for the movie. <laughs> you eat pieces of mud for breakfast? Mud for breakfast. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, again, they're shooting this scene for a week. So every day at 4.30 around dusk time, uh, they're slathering Arnold up in the mud and um, having him look frightening or frightened at the predator's direction, wherever Good that way may to be. end your day on the set. Like, oh, dusk is here. Time to get covered in mud. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and even though... Uh, people claim that the mud heats up. Keep in mind, that means the mud goes on probably cold at first. Yeah, <laughs> so your body yeah. is probably going through this terrible shock and then recovery system every time you're about to be facing the predator, which might help with the whole you know method acting angle of things. Right. Yeah. I want to mention one last thing. One last thing. So you yeah, mentioned yeah. it in the uh, first part recap where Dutch you know, puts his hand on his holster or his knife sheath do you think he's feeling for stick Stick around around. or he's feeling for uh his like his desert eagle handgun or maybe his own talisman like billy had (laughs) with a little porn in it um (laughs) i i assumed it was a knife it looks like a knife sheath right there that he reaches for Mm -hmm. i guess it could be a pistol or something but have we really seen him use a pistol i'm trying to think nobody's used a pistol at all in this movie right okay because everyone like carries five thousand rounds of ammo so i always thought it was he was just looking for the closest quickest weapon he could which would be his knife that he keeps right there on his like thigh sheath 
but uh, it's not there. So that's what I always assumed. I actually didn't even think about it being possibly a gun until you brought that up. So um, I suppose that's possible, but it's not what I thought. That's just something I was thinking. I'm looking at the stick around clip just to complete our research circle here to make sure it is indeed coming off of his right hip. And it is. Stick around. I'm watching it super mm. slow motion as he chucks it into the, the brown-faced Stick Dave Barry with the Valverde text possibly in the background. Stick around. <laughs> brown-faced Dave Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. Oh, man. Stick around. <laughs> Stick around. Um, who was it? Eric Deutsch posting about watching Goonies with his kids. Oh, yeah. And, and there was... South American mom Fratelli. Just trust in your mother boys. Trust in your mother boys. <laughs> what the hell are we doing here? Ah, uh, trust in your old mother boys. Traveling the four wheels, driving. Hold on to your hat. Oh man, yeah, we, I wanted to find that Photoshop that I had done where I put the two side by side. I forgot to find that. Oh, I wanted yeah. to post that in the comments there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back and do that. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to find that and post that somewhere to show just how on you were. It's eerie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, are we in two recommends? We're into have recommends. We we're we're that deep in the minute. We are recommending things. What do you have to recommend, we're Jeff? Deep in, we're deep in the mud. Um, I'm going to recommend a, a documentary that just came out this week. Documentary. Um, can only see it on Apple plus tv the streaming service they have um it is a documentary about the beastie boys Hmm. and it's called beastie boys story now i am a huge beastie boys fan they i've been listening to their music for a long long time um and if anyone asks me who my favorite all-time music group is i usually kind of fall back on them because it's music that i can always always listen to and um the documentary is really cool. It's directed by Spike Jones, who directed many of their their music videos, uh, along with lots of other movies that he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's he it's called a live documentary. So this was like a show they did. Um, it was uh, with uh, Ad Rock and Mike D, because MCA uh, sadly passed away a couple of years ago. And they go out on stage and they basically do a live retelling of their story of their history starting back when they were like 14 years old meeting in high school and starting to make music together and just how everything evolved and uh, how each one of their albums came to be and as someone who just loves their music and loves all their different albums and how different they all are to hear the stories behind like how the music came to be was just super fun and I was grinning ear to ear watching the whole thing and I just didn't want to stop watching it. I was sad when it ended. So if you're at all a fan of the Beastie Boys, please check out that documentary. Uh, It's really, really cool. What was that called again? I think it's just called a Beastie Boys story. Beastie Boys story. It's pretty awesome. I don't know if you're a Beastie Boys fan, but man, it was... There was so much good music in it and all the stories behind different songs they wrote and how it came. Oh, that was just... I like some of their songs. I like Intergalactic Planetary. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah, Or just Intergalactic? I really became like a huge fan of them when I was like 13, 14 years old and I heard the song Sabotage. Mm. And I I knew of the Beastie Boys and I was like, who the fuck is this? Like, these guys are crazy. Like, this is weird and different and unlike anything I've seen before and I 
just started going back and listening to all their music and like I love their their first album right like License to Ill is fun because it's got all those like kind of classic party jams you know like Fight to Your Right to Party and all that stuff but that's not really the real Beastie Boys like they really started making music as a creatively as a band like in the next album they made in 89 and that's the stuff that I find like super interesting because it's so different than any other music that was being made at the time and like it's just super interesting to me. So anyway, sorry, I'm like fanboying over here, but um, it was really fun. I liked it. Well, yeah. thank you for sharing your passion with yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you got this week, John? What are we recommending? Well, speaking of passion, good segue, John. High five. Uh, <laughs> high five. High five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching a lot of the shoe tubers lately. These sneakerheads on YouTube. Mmm, shoe tubers. Shoe tubers, that's right. <clears throat> and uh, what one shoe tuber that I've come to appreciate in reviewing and uh, interacting online with uh, is name his YouTube name is Shoes Up Sleeves Down. I'm not really sure what that's a reference yeah. to. It might be a wrestling reference. Might be like a music reference. I don't really know. I say wrestling because. He's really into wrestling too. He has like the wrestling posters behind him when he does his reviews. But he tends to like a lot of the same kind of sneakers I like, which is like the Ultra Boost. Love those Ultra Boosts. My wife calls them Super Boosts. Super Boosts. Hmm. Super Boosts. Super boost. Same difference. Same difference. I'm not really sure what that means. There's a there's a very like dirty uh, connection to that phrase, actually. <laughs> really? Have you heard the phrase "face down, ass up"? I guess so. It's like from old Teenage Crew songs. Yeah, yeah I mean, kind of. <laughs> so it's kind of a play on that. Yeah, I guess bit. so. Yeah, yeah. but uh, he's someone who I've been interacting with a bit on the YouTubes uh, and, you know, chatting on the comment section about different shoes and uh, sharing, like, the newest, coolest Ultra Boost or Retro sneakers. Um, I actually picked up a couple of sneakers based on his recommends, one being the Nike Air Max 90s. They remade that model they remake that model like every few years or so it turns out but uh they're recrafting them with uh the like original retro design in mind as they usually do but this time around i guess they're super comfortable so i ordered a pair and they are really comfortable um mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool to look down and see like the chunky retro sneaker it's you know i, I know how nostalgic you are for that kind of stuff so it'd be, <laughs> be a fun recommend to try out sometimes some retro style sneakers but uh, yeah, check out Shoes Up, Sleeves Down on YouTube for the sneaker reviews. He gives us a shout out on, I think, a couple of videos because I've been interacting with him, like I said. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's cool to have a little shout out, a little community of shoe tubing online. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Still buying shoes. Does uh, Sarah like your shoe buying habit? Uh, I think so. She, she tolerates it. <laughs> What? My shoe buying habit. Yeah, it's really fascinating. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. I try to do different guess, styles for my own sake. But also she gets chickens and you get shoes. See what? She gets chickens and you get shoes. <laughs> she gets chickens. I actually helped her find some sneakers uh, a couple weeks ago. That was really fun, helping her shoe shop. So she found some nice. good runners and some good lifestyle trainers, we call them. Hmm. Hmm. Good for the old electric bike. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's exactly good for taking care of the chickens and electric biking and 
<laughs> lounging around the house for long periods of time, 23 right. hours, 24 hours a day. Good Lord. Thank you for those art lessons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, awesome. Well, we're done with the cool, recommend, man. so now we talk about where we can find each other. Jeff, where, where are you? Where are you, Jeff? I am on the Twitter. You can find me there. I am Jeff Glover. Carl underscore Hungus 314. My name is Carl been expert. You can find me on the Twitter. Okay, so you can find Predator Minute on Twitter at Predator Minute. You can email the show, PredatorMinute at gmail.com, or you can join our ever-growing and ever-sharing group online, the Predator Minute Listeners Palapa on Facebook. Target the center of the Palapa. Target the center of the Palapa. Target the center of the Palapa. And last week we did a little roll call of all the members, which was way fun. And then in turn, so many of the members are posting for the first time, which was yeah, really cool. Yeah, that was super cool. Yeah. Thank you guys for anyone who posted and like just giving us nice uh, comments. Like that was really cool. And uh, we are very glad that we can uh, provide a fun little outlet during these weird ass times for some of you. So uh, thank you. That was great. Thanks. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So if you want to join that group and either lurk or dive in with your own ideas about how you can actually evade infrared and therefore the federal government, uh, then (laughs) hop onto Facebook at the Predator Minute Listeners Palapa. I guarantee you don't need anything else about Facebook. You just need the PMLP. (laughs) The PMLP. PMLP. (laughs) Nice. All right, so for all things uh, Jerry Rice, Minute 80 of Predator, I've been John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around. Stick around. Oh, crap, I threw I threw that half an hour ago. No, I threw that an hour ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, I'll have this mud. There's mud on my leg. Yeah. Oh, I'll throw that. <laughs>